Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Housekeepers Podcast. Dare I say the cleanest hour in podcast. And I'm so super excited. We're a little early today, an hour early today due to my guest having a dentist appointment. No, what is what is the reason you had a delay? What, <laughs> you nail up, what is it? Tell me. Well, you could have asked this before. Well, that's, that's a make good radio. This is better. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Tammy Roshan, you don't have to answer. Tammy Roshan, is, I'm so excited to talk to you. The first time that we met, actually, you attended a webinar that I hosted. And then we did a follow-up call. And like, I don't know, six hours later, we got off the phone. I don't know who likes to talk more, you or me. No, I'm pretty sure you cut it off pretty soon, pretty yeah. quick. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, you know, I need to have you on my radio show. You're pretty fun. So uh, here we are. Welcome to the Housekeepers Podcast. Thank you. I'm excited that you're here. Thank you. So you're currently a housekeeper manager. You run a 200-bed nursing home, right? So you're in um, Iowa. Yep. Dubuque. Dubuque, Iowa. Yes. What a weird name, Dubuque. All right. You're going to run with it? It's really close to Wisconsin. Okay. Yeah. Great state. Both Iowa and Wisconsin. They're both great states. So so let's go all the way back though. Like I'm super curious just to begin at the beginning. Like where did you go? Where did you grow? Did you grow up in Dubuque, Iowa? Did you grow up in Iowa? Where did you grow up? Wisconsin. Oh, I grew up in Wisconsin. Uh, Started out in Mount Horb close to Madison, and then uh, ended up moving before graduating from high school, moving to Potosi. How far away was that? From from Mount Horb to Potosi? Yeah, yeah. It's maybe an hour, hour and a half. But far enough, like you have to make new friends and everything, like in the middle of high school? Oh, yeah. I was shrugging it off like it's no big deal. How It was terrible, wasn't it? Let's talk about it. No. No. <laughs> it was really good. It was excellent. I'm a firm believer that everything happens for a reason, and that's why I'm where I'm at now. So oh, I like that. Okay, all right. So, what did you do out of high school? What what? Um, my mom had. What did you do? My mom had her own cleaning business, and um, I worked for her a lot. Really? What did you um, clean? Pardon me. What 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 kind of a cleaning business? Um, it, it was her own, and she did anything from commercial to residential. Um, nice. Yeah. How long has she been doing that? Is she still doing it or no? No, she retired. No. Nope. How long did she do it for? I bet you 15 years. Wow. Yeah. So was she doing that like all through high school when you were in high school and everything? Like when? Yeah. Yep. When she moved to Potosi, which would have been mid eighties, she started her own cleaning business. And that ended, uh, she retired just within the past 10, 15 years. Do you have, do you have brothers and sisters? I do. I have two older sisters and two younger brothers. So it was like everybody joining no. in and helping out mom during no school. No, really? No, we had his, or her, his or her kids. Um, but I, always my, my two younger brothers, they're my, um, they're not blood, but they are to me. Um, and they lived in Mount Horb. Ah, um, okay. Sometimes, yeah. sometimes, and maybe it's the maybe it's true here too. You know, we, we start cleaning companies. A lot of a lot of moms start cleaning companies just for the flexibility of getting kids on the school bus, doing some cleaning, getting the kids off the bus. Mm-hmm. You know, probably super helpful. 
And I love that. I love that you've had that exposure to like the entrepreneur part of it. Mm-hmm. Do you currently, do you have a little side hustle? You can tell me. No. You don't really? No, I stay busy enough right here where I'm at. And I'm also um, a volunteer uh, EMT for the community where I live in. And I've been doing that since 92. So that just keeps me really busy. Yeah, that's good for you. That's really awesome. That's that's super great. I I don't know a lot of housekeeping managers who have your background. And we're we're getting into your background. But with your background, they don't have a side hustle. Like all of us have seven or eight different jobs going at all times. So it's surprising to hear that you don't, but that's good. Well, prior to here, I was also a school bus driver. Yeah, I just, uh, how do I say it? Um, jack of all trades, master yeah. of none. I don't know. Sure. So That sounds right. That sounds about right. So how did you, so housekeeping, you've been in housekeeping for a long time. But usually I'm like, how did you get into the business? You, you kind of grew up in it, really. I did. And my first um, manager position was in... 2000, 2001. And um, that was um, at a nursing home in Platteville. And that was through a contracted service out of Newton Lower Falls, Massachusetts. And um, then about 2000, and correct me, because you may know when healthcare services bought out Summit Services, I then became um, an employee of healthcare services. I think that's probably um, around 2007, 2008. Yeah, yeah yep. something in there. Yeah. Yep. yep. So you and, went, so, wait, 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 back up. So when did, so was, so Summit Services, which mm-hmm. no longer exists, but that was the company that you went to work for in nursing homes. Was that, was that your, were you already working, cleaning in nursing homes when they came in or? No. How did you get to work for them then? Uh, they hired me as their hiring their their manager, their site manager there. Um, with so like the, a blind ad uh, or something, did you apply? Yeah, yep. It was in a like monster.com or something, right? No, it was in the shopping news, a local oh. newspaper. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right, that works. Yeah, that yeah. works. It's so funny that I remember. So I was managing for healthcare services group at the same time that you were with Summit. You know, we kind of started in the same same area, same time frame. And I remember when the internet was first coming, like beginning to be more and more mainstream. And I remember newspapers wanted to start selling us advertisement space for job ads, but it would include online applications or online job listings. And I thought it was the dumbest thing in the world. I'm like, listen, if you're looking for people, you have to keep in mind who was on the internet in 2000. None of the housekeepers I was working with had even a computer. Forget being on the internet. Like right. they, they just weren't there. Right. And they're like, oh, you're going to get 30 days of online. I'm like you're wait, it's just another way to charge me more money. Nobody was getting, no. And then Craigslist started to come out. So Craigslist was maybe like one of the first where you could put up free ads for housekeepers, I still wasn't getting a lot. Nowadays, everything is kind of, I I think it's been a long time since I've actually done it myself. And it's been a long time since I've even seen anybody do it, where they put a actual piece of paper on the bulletin board at the local grocery store with like, tear your name off, you know, need help. But I, they're super effective. Yes, and also business cards. Um, when I go to a Walmart, or um, a grocery store or anything or a gas station, 
um, I hand out the our HR person's um, business card. Very nice. This is uh, this is my business card. <laughs> this would this would be the, on the other side. <laughs> well, the other side is just uh, oh. you know has my contact information. It's a oh. business card. Yeah. Uh, so this would be a perfect card to hang in the grocery store. <laughs> Too funny. That's nice. So I, recruiting is, is you know, I always think about how I was recruited, right? How was I recruited into this field? And I and I try to go, all right, well, that's how you can recruit for others. And But there's so many different ways of, of trying to get. Are you having trouble getting staff? We were um, that we just turned that corner for um, our department last week. Um, we all of a sudden started getting um, online applications again. So excellent! excellent. I, I'm very, very lucky. So yeah, good for you. Yeah, good for you. And okay, so yeah, you answered a blind ad. You answered a blind ad. First, it was your first management job. So what were you doing prior to that then? So housekeeping with your mom, you drove a bus. What else did you do? Um, I had worked in a factory. I had worked in a hospital. Um, I worked in the central supply unit and then um, went from there sterilizing the operating equipment to the same day surgery unit and doing the um, shaves and the scrubs, the sterile scrubs for the surgeons. So, so you always kind of gravitated toward the cleaning end of it. Yeah. There's got to be something, something about that whole cleaning aspect is just kind of kept drawing you in. I wonder what it is. You know what it is for me? I love to be able to see my results. I just like being able to get it done and see that it's done. Yeah. You know? The floor care. Floor nope. care is really what um, grabbed me and kept me interested. And, and also the managing part of it. Um, I really love connecting with people and um, if I can at all make a difference in somebody's life um, because we all come to work and, you know, a lot of times we spend more time with our employees and our coworkers than our own family members. So I really, I like to make a difference with uh, that aspect of it. Yeah. I like that too. That is, you know, it's funny. It, I'm going to say it in a weird way, but I mean it genuinely that most of the managers that I know most, I mean, there are some exceptions, but most of the managers I know at the end of the day, they really have always wanted to be the hero. And when you have a hero complex, what that forces you to do is go out of your way to do stuff for others because you want, you, you want to be that, that force of good, that force of, of helping people get to the next level or overcome their problems, you know, be able to do whatever it is that they that they want to do. I think it's such a great attribute. And I think it's one of the key ingredients to an effective manager is somebody who does want to wear the cape. Yeah. As long as you keep that ego out of it. <laughs> Dare you? No. Uh, <laughs> I, you know what? I, I, I agree. Ego can be a real challenge to overcome, but I also think ego is very important because I would never have stepped up into a leadership role or raised my hand and said, you know, pick me, I'll be responsible. If I didn't for one minute think I was capable, you know what I mean? If I didn't for one minute think that I'm better than everybody else, I kind of do think I'm better than everybody else. And I don't mean, I don't mean that I'm, I'm, I, you know, I'm, I'm God's gift to anything. I just simply mean I have the, 
desire to be in charge. I have the desire to be responsible and I'm willing to take the consequences with that goes along with being responsible. And that's rare. It's rare in you. It's rare in me. Manager, if there's a shortage in this world, it's on leadership. People do not want to step up and say, pick me. I'll be, you know, I just heard this weird study that it used to be a very common practice. If there was a medical emergency, it was a common practice for people around to say, is there a doctor here? And you even, you, you could even imagine you've seen TV shows and movies where is there a doctor here and a doctor from the dining room runs in and saves somebody and does some heroic thing that doesn't happen anymore. People do not go, Hey, I'm a doctor. I can help because of lawsuits. So because of the lawsuits, now people who are doctors and could potentially help are not willing to. So it's if there's the nurses money, and the EMTs that step up. There you go. There you go. But that my, my point is, my point is there's a real lack of, of people saying, pick me, I'll be responsible. Some for very legitimate reasons. It's very challenging to be a leader, very challenging to be a manager, very challenging. And it's sometimes, um, easy to, it's sometimes easy to, I don't know, rest all your blame on the leadership team. I was having a conversation with somebody today. We're talking about how to motivate employees. And as we're having the conversation, we're having like a, there's three, four of us. We're having like a round the table conversation. I just said, you know, there was one point in my life when I was an employee and didn't look to my employer to motivate me. I didn't need, you know what I mean? Like I, I, I didn't need the, I, my first jobs, I didn't, I didn't get sick, to, uh, sick time. I didn't, get, <laughs> I didn't get holiday pay for not working. I didn't, it was a, that wasn't the thing and it was totally fine. It was reasonable. Now I've got to make sure I've got bagels coming in the door and high fives and candy and, you know, uh, I don't know. I, there's a podcast, um, Brene Brown, that I listened to um, on my way to work and on my way home. But now I listen to yours as well. And um, it's a leadership podcast. So she's amazing. Oh, excellent. What's her name? Renee? Brene. B-R-E-N-E Brown. Oh, Brene Brown. Oh, well, I, I, I love it. I I think that very motivational and she interviews um, a lot of different people in different um, areas of the business world leaders. Yeah, that's awesome. And so now you've been, how many nursing homes have you worked at? Two plus two. <laughs> well, if you consider the Cincinnati Dominican sisters, um, they're a, it's a religious complex. Um, I worked there um, from 2012 to right before I came here, 2019. Um, so there was a part of that um, that had um, some floors of the, had nursing care, um, it was the aging population of the sisters. Um, and then there was also the retreat aspect of it. So the hotel aspect of it as well. Gotcha. Convention center. Um, that was just a mix of it all. So um, and then also it was their private home. And what's great about working at a nunnery, right, where where uh, sisters go to retire is they're they very much clean up after themselves. 
right? They, they, they very much, um, they don't cause a lot of a mess. They don't cause a lot of a mess. Where uh, in long-term care, well, most of the st- most of the staff cause most of our messes in long-term <laughs> care. <laughs> it's true. You ain't got to lie, Craig. Do you? Do I'm you have? Fortunate here. Our staff is amazing. They really are. The, yeah, I'm, the staff I'm, and everyone. It's just great here. You you can speak openly and honestly here. Now we can. I am. <laughs> I am. I'm kidding. And, I'm I can, kidding. and I can really say this because I've worked at the other places. So um, yeah, there's challenges, but everyone, the teamwork here and, and going through, I hate, I hate this word going through the COVID the last year and a half. I mean, we really showed, everyone showed their true colors then. And for the most part, it was amazing. They were great. Yeah, I had, I had, so during COVID, it would, there were, there were a couple of people who prior to COVID were a real, real handful to be employed. I mean, just a handful as far as wanted to make up their own schedule would be, would be more likely, would be happy with doing a very terrible job. You know, you keep in mind that we work in long-term care and so we clean up for residents, which means we clean up for the elderly. And when you meet people who are, whose standards are so low that they would, they're totally comfortable with the people they're taking care of living in absolute squalor and disgust, that just drives me crazy. Like, can we, can we please, you know what I mean? Like, don't walk by stuff when you, you know, they can't pick it up. You know, that they, you know, they're bedridden, they're in a wheelchair, you know, they're end of life care. And, and, you know, so there are some people, so there are some people in 2019 that I was really having trouble with. And then in 2020 comes along and and the, there's two, there's two people I'm thinking of, two grown people. So they're like, you know, they're not kids, they're in their forties. And as soon as they heard that there was COVID and um, you could get some relief for not work, you could refuse to work and still get paid. I mean, they could not have quit faster. And I don't mean like give a notice. Hey, we're just out the door. <laughs> like I was like, oh my gosh. But really that's fine because those are the people you don't want on your team anyways. Yeah, I think they're back working in that nursing home actually. <laughs> so, well, and, 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 you know, maybe they've, they've turned their life around and maybe they do care a little bit more. I don't, I don't know. I'm not there, but when I was there, I mean, they really could not, I mean, they could not care less about the job that they were in charge of. And that's what makes it so challenging for us mm-hmm. in management. And, you know, sometimes we we're talking about again today, where how do you motivate people? And I don't know if you can, I don't know if I can raise your standards. Either you're coming to me with good standards or you're not, right? Like, do you think it's possible to change somebody's standards? Um, you can lay out the expectations of course. I mean, what you talking and, and you can say what the standard is, and if they want to be a part of it, fine. And if they don't, um, you know, then that's their choice. As long as you're fair and consistent um, with what goes along with that, the tough talks and yeah, no question. So, so what is your so what is your biggest challenge coming out of 2021? Is it staffing? Is it clean? What what is it? It was staffing. Um, up until this week, <laughs> <laughs> literally this um, week. Well, now it's trying to get caught back up. 
getting back in, getting, making sure deep room cleans are getting done, shining up the floors. If you walk into an area and that floor does not shine, your whole room looks dirty. Um, and we didn't run any high speed of floor machines during COVID. The um, entire time? Mm-mm. Why? No, because of um, the air, the air circulation, we tried to keep that down to a minimum. You didn't um, do, you guys never did like, um, we were doing like red, green, yellow zones. You didn't do that when it comes to like floor care and housekeeping and stuff? We treated everywhere pretty much the same. Like it's COVID, like everything's a red zone. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And we did amazing here. Mm. Our rate was very low. Oh, your COVID rate. Yeah. Yeah, that's really yeah. good. You know, it's what's funny about the COVID rate, and it's just like the flu. So I'm, I, you know, I, I've been working in housekeeping a long time, just like you have. And every year I get blamed. Every year I get blamed for flu outbreaks. Every year it's housekeeping. Every year it's And you know, it never is housekeeping. It's always hand washing. Mm -hmm. It is always hand washing. And housekeepers, most of the time, have zero contact with residents. And so not only is it not the surface, but it's not even the housekeeper, right? Mm -hmm. And what we've learned about COVID is COVID does not transfer well from surfaces. So even though that was not known, it was a lot of speculation, a lot of uncertainty. And so we spent a ton of time and resources making sure every spot was disinfected constantly during the coronavirus. Mm -hmm. At the end of the day, nope, turns out it's hand washing and breathing, two things that, so when you say, so when you say that you guys came out of it really good. I think that really translates to is not only were you guys doing a good job in housekeeping, but also all of your staff were doing a good job maintaining some good distances, mask discipline outside of the work, right? So yeah. they're in the store, the grocery store, the gas station, whatever, and still maintaining distance and masks. And so everybody was doing a good job that way too. Yes, it was excellent. Yeah, that's really great. Yep. I had, I had a couple of managers, housekeeping managers, who just, I mean, that's, and this is, and this is the thing that really strikes me about COVID, the whole thing about COVID is I, with all the uncertainty, because you had no idea. I mean, every report was, you know, it's the apocalypse, right? Everybody's going to die from it. It's just this terrible thing. And I had the housekeepers who were legitimately scared. We'd get a COVID patient and they'd have to go to a unit or wing or whatever. And then the housekeeper would just be like, I just, I'm nervous. I'm this. And the manager would be like, I'll do it. I'll do it. So the manager, every time I saw a manager would step up, they would go clean the COVID unit mm -hmm. so that the housekeeper didn't have to because they were nervous. I mean, that kind of heroism. Without, because again, they, we all, none of us knew whether, you know, how bad it was actually going to turn out for everybody. And so that's, you do what you have to do. Yeah. It's incredible, right? So now that staffing is, I mean, they just started interviewing. Have they shown up? Have they, what is the hiring process there? Here in New York, it's, we almost have to give a kidney and <laughs> we do, we have to do fingerprints. We have to do background checks. We have to do CHRCs. I mean, there's. We um, do, do the background check, a physical. Rachel Heidersheit. TB skin test, um, and then the onboarding, 
and the um there's the adult abuse that has to be done. Sure. There's we call it healthcare academy. It's um, education pieces, training. It have needs to be done before you go on the floor training. So, so how the whole long? process yeah, takes up to sometimes three weeks. Um, you know, but you hire somebody, and if they have to give a two week notice, which I want people to have to give a two week notice. Um, I, mean, I don't know a lot of people. I would expect the same. You know, if they were leaving our place to go to another job, I would want somebody to give a two-week notice. So I respect that. Um, I don't generally accept two-week notices. I Yep, I actually heard that this morning on my way to work. Yep. I do not accept it. Yeah. And, and, and there's a couple that I shouldn't have accepted, too. And we ended it earlier, but... Yeah. There are times, there are times when I would, you know, especially if they're getting promoted or if they're moving, you know, if they're amicable, they're good people. But mm -hmm. if they're leaving the job with any type of animosity, the last thing I need is somebody else running me down. Mm -hmm. <laughs> because, you know, I have a friend, I have a friend, Chris, who I was just talking to. He's going to be on the show and I've known him forever and he works in housekeeping and he's in HR. And he said something extremely profound to me. He goes, you know, for nine years, no one has ever brought me good news. Think about that. His job, what his role is, everybody brings him problems. Everybody. Nobody brings him anything but problems. And so he is constantly in this fix-it mode. And it's got to do something to your psyche, right? Like, as mm -hmm. I know that, you know, for, for some of the staff that I work with, they don't just bring me the problem, right? They bring it wrapped in sarcasm, <laughs> in a little bit of aggression, right. you know, <laughs> complete attitude, eye rolling while they're bringing mm -hmm. it to me, you know? And so could you imagine, and I think that's probably par for course, you know, for all of us in, in management positions, but nine years, no good news. Yeah, that's a bummer. Makes you wonder what, what, I don't know. I, you know, one of the things that I'm always reminded of is is one of the most interesting things about the Great Depression in the 1930s is the biggest problem managers complained about during the 1930 Depression. That's when everybody's starving. There's no jobs. There's no, is managers couldn't get people to come to work. Hmm. The number one problem for managers during the Great Depression was they still couldn't do no call, no show. Hmm. In the 1930s, it was very difficult to call, but still. It was a no call. No, you know, there was just people just not coming to work. Couldn't get enough people to come into work. And so I think about that and that juxtaposition or, or let me put it against something else. It creates a juxtaposition. There's always been this, this secret uh, Their labor has always employees have always through the years, you know, through the, the industrial revolution have always hid. They've always been really good about creating tools in technologies internally to make their jobs easier. And they've always been very skittish about sharing those tools and showing management, oh, look what I created for fear that management would implement the tool and see that it would take less time, you know, so you could do it quicker. And so now they would expect more from the employee, right? So the employee didn't have the incentive to share these technologies because they were afraid of losing their job. And now I was just watching a friend of mine posted, Marcus posted a, uh, a link on, a, on LinkedIn, a, a post where he just got a demonstration about robots doing floor care. And it's like 
you know, think about that juxtaposition. So we have employees holding on to their own internal technology because mm -hmm. they don't want to lose their work. And then we have employees, those same employees, not showing up to work, leaving the organization with only two choices. Either we can really work our butts off to try to make you feel as comfortable as possible. It's almost like you're, we're, we're bringing our employees in and we're treating them like they're in end of life care. You know what I mean? Like make sure they're not on their feet too long and you know, they get grumpy if they haven't had a snack, you know what I mean? Like you're, you're totally just in that mode. And then, and because that, that works a little bit and doesn't work. And so then on the other side, we're like, screw it. We're going to self checkouts, self scanners, drive-throughs that are automated there's nobody in the drive-through anymore we're gonna do you know the we're gonna have robots do the cleaning i mean yeah i don't know tammy i don't know i don't know it's that whole <laughs> juxtaposition <laughs> somebody told me today that they went to subway the restaurant you know the little sandwich shop and i wrote it down what they said wait, wait, wait. they said um uh there you go uh, on this door of the Subway restaurant, somebody had handwritten a sign. Let's call it the manager because it must have been. And it says, please be kind to all those who showed up today. Wow. <laughs> what? <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I mean, I like, I, I, I appreciate how terrible customers are to employees. I really, I appreciate, I know that that's true. I know that I would hate to work at a fast food restaurant because I mean, you've seen all the viral videos, haven't you? Of uh, people just losing their mind because I said no pickles, no yeah. pickles. put pickles on your sandwich. And so I should die. Like what, how is this? Yeah. I had a, um, a coworker here went, I think it was a subway and there was only one employee there or something. And she gave, I think the kid a pretty good tip because of the fact that he was trying and people were being so rude and yeah, I'm just glad that here we don't have to, I mean, yeah, we have some tough days, but for the most part, we don't have to put up with that kind of behavior. Yeah. That's really good. Yeah. That's really good. I, I was, I was. And how do you motivate, how do you, mo how do you motivate an employee that has to go through that? I was, I was shopping at a Staples. Uh, staples here locally and again i live in new york close to the city and i was at a staples and there was a woman who came in there was a one woman who was at a copier and she was making copies so she's a little self-help right so she's making copies and there's a table behind her so she's utilizing the table as well and this young girl came in and she saw the papers on the table and decided she wanted the table so instead of you know, acting like any kind of a rational person, maybe moving it, maybe saying, whose are these? She flings them on the floor. She just flings and papers are just, and these two, I mean, they almost went into fisticuffs. I mean, it almost was this big brawl. The manager gets involved. The employees start walking away. They're like, you can keep the store. We're not going to deal with it. And so I go and I see the, the manager afterward. And I'm like, work and management development, just super impressed with how you handle it. And I'm super curious what is going on. And he says, they're actually looking, closing this store because that's how people, because people use the staple store, this one, this one that, that I'm close to, they use it as a babysitting hub. Meaning he goes, if you walk around with me and I walked around with him, there's drawings, there's paint, there's more, all over, not just like the, the display racks and all, but literally on product. Like kids are opening paint and paintbrushes in the back and they're just 
painting on paper that nobody paid for. Their kids are just, you know, parents just come in like, just their toys are in the back. Just go, don't stand over here in line or something. Like he goes, and the way that they're treating the employees, he goes, it's just simply unimaginable. They have no respect for employees. Like they hold, everybody has, everybody hates everybody in this area. It is so that is so sad. It's it's. I remember when I was I, my first job. I, I had a fast food job working at my first my first job was actually in housekeeping, but I did work at Burger King, and I remember being a sixteen year old kid working at Burger King and getting you know attitude from customers over things that were wrong, and and I just kept I re- I remember just keep always saying like we would never we would never make your order wrong on purpose. Like why would we ever? If the outcome of you us getting it wrong is you're going to complain, yell, scream, be mad, we would never, that's the opposite of what we want. You know, we're 16 year old kids. What we want is to be in the back, make a sandwich and flirt with each other. You know what I mean? Like that's the extent of our day, you know, at at $3 an hour or whatever it was. I think I made $3.30 or something. (laughs) an hour. That must have been a really long time ago. Yeah. Thank you. How dare you? Housekeepers podcast. This has been no. <laughs> We're cutting this short. No, I, I, uh, I, what, what, I, I'm so glad to have this. Happy to have this conversation with you because it just shows not only do we struggle, and I think this is important. Not only do we struggle as managers, but it's it's tough to be an employee. Yeah, because the customer that you know, you know a lot of times we deal just with with employees. And so in our business, working in long-term care, most of the time we're dealing, most of our issues come from our own staff, nursing staff. Rarely do we get an issue with a customer, like the actual resident or the resident family. It's so few and far between, you know, it might be like, hey, a cubicle curtain wasn't cleaned or something. It's such an easy fix. Mm -hmm. But there are a lot of industries out there, like we were saying, like the, you know, Subway, the grocery store, whatever, where the customer is just a bear to our staff. And so then I can see where you're like, you know, we got to figure out how to make these staff happy because who would want to work in these environments? Right. Do you have any, do you have any kids? Do you have anybody growing up right now? Who do you have? What, how old are they? Um, my oldest is going to be 31 in August. She is, um, has my one and only little grandson. Oh Yeah. My son is 31 and I have a grandson. Did we just become best friends? (laughs) (laughs) Well, my grandson's just the best thing since (laughs) bubblegum. I don't like bubblegum and my, no, it's playing. And then I have a daughter. um, She is, she's 26. She is getting married this September. So Wow. Congratulations. Yep. That's fantastic. And so what do they do? Are they in? My daughter, my youngest is a um, school teacher. She teaches music. And then my grade, pardon me, what grade? Uh, K through, is it sixth grade right now? I think. So she has it sweet and easy. I don't know about that. Well, I mean, I just. She loves her job. She, she loves her job. Yeah. My, my wife is a school teacher as well. And she loves her seventh graders, right? Like seventh graders are still want to try things. They're still cute and funny and they're engaging. You know, you get a ninth grader, a 10th grader. Ugh. 
<laughs> full of attitude and hormones, you know. Yeah, my Those oldest are... daughter works for a company that deals with um, FML, FMLA claims, disability, stuff like that. Oh, you know, a lot, it's so funny. I meet people all the time who do, you know, they're, they are a tax accountant. Like, well, they are, you know, they do FMLA. They're, I'm like, oh, my God, shoot me in the face with a bazooka. I could not. Right. I don't have that. That's not me. I'm more of a on my feet, walking around. Yep. Getting my hands in too many things, not minding my own business. Yeah. So that's good. So, so then you must have gone through the same thing that I had to go through. And I think that it's probably even more of a challenge nowadays where I remember when my son was 16 and he was trying to get his first job. And they had just raised the minimum wage at the time to like seven or no, eight twenty-five or something. And my son at 16 with peace and love was not even, not even close to being worth $8 and 25 cents an hour. And so all the job opportunities went to everybody that was older than him. It was super hard to find him his first job because McDonald's, Burger King, they were having to pay this higher wage. And so they were able to get people 18, 19, 20. People who had car payments were working at McDonald's. We didn't have that issue. Really? No. My um, oldest started at the nursing home where I was at. Oh, there you Colorado. go. Um, she started out even before she got her driver's license. Nice. In the kitchen. Yep. Nice. And then um, my youngest, um, she's just been working um, since she was a kid with my mom, you know, cleaning, oh, yeah. and, um, college student, um, working in offices to get her through college. She did, um, full-time college and then a couple part-time jobs besides the college and just very hardworking, both of them. So, yeah, that's good. That's good. It sounds yep. like they came from good stock. Good stock. That's really good. I, I wonder, you know, here in New York, what's the minimum wage in Iowa right now? I want to say it's still seven and a quarter. Okay. Here in New York, they just raised it to 15. And I think it's 15 only for fast food. So it's like fast food workers just got this huge bump in pay, which makes it super hard for us to, to not only for as an employer, find, you know, it's, it makes it more challenging to get employees. But imagine who McDonald's is now going to hire for $15. Let me tell you who they're not going to hire. The 15 year old who mm -hmm. that's, it was the first time job McDonald's, Burger King, Wendy's, Jack in the Box, all the, they were, their whole, their whole business model was not built on the backs of the youth. It was in, in addition to selling burgers and fries, they, they also were turning young men and women into but, you know, like they were giving them the uniform, teaching them about time clocks, teaching them about clocking in and, and, and their first job routines and, and, you know, what it means to service a customer and to solve a problem and run a cash register. Like fast food, when I was growing up, was, a, they, you know, they were, they were more for societal good. You know what I mean? Like they, their, 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 their umbrella was not just about fast food. It was also about serving the community. They were the, one of the largest employers of the community. You know, it was. I worked there, so it was it was a nice little community inside itself. I just fear 
went $15 an hour, that's gone. Now you're going to get 25-year-olds, 30-year-olds. And it's not bad because they, but kind of is because, you know, McDonald's, unless you're in the management track, the hours are not the greatest. Three-hour shifts a night. It's, you know, it, here in New York, we have we have 24-hour, uh, some of our, you know, McDonald's and stuff are open 24 hours, but only for like takeout windows. And so it's a very minimal staff. But I mean, it's, it's not the career, you know what I mean? It used to be like a launch pad to get you, you know, your first job, yeah. first uniform and first whatever. And not anymore. Not at this rate. Yeah. It's way too expensive. Yeah. And I, I just wish we could. I'm all for it. Well, McDonald's doesn't want to pay $15 an hour. And you can tell they don't because all of them are all kiosks now. You just walk up and you help yourself. So there used to be five registers with five employees. Now there's five registers and one employee and you help yourself. I'm like, okay, well that $15 didn't do us exactly the way we wanted it to do. That's, that one person's making more money, but everybody else. <laughs> Housekeepers podcast season one. <laughs> so, what's your next big thing? What what is it? What are you moving on to next? Are you still just in modus operandi? You're just going to continue this? You'd have no. And I don't mean to put you on the spot, but where are you going to next? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Did you just give your notice? No. <laughs> I love it here. Yeah, that's good. I absolutely love it here. It, it starts at the top. The management team, um, just. It's it's the best. What makes it the best? You get a lot of support. Are you heard? Yes. Are you involved? What is it? What's the all of it? Uh, the support. The um, everyone has each other's backs, and and it's not just at the top. It trickles all the way down, all the way down to the to the housekeepers, to the dietary staff. I mean it. It it's just the guys- the management team here is is the best that I've ever experienced. They are continuously asking our input. They and and they encourage our continuing education, just bettering ourselves. Yeah, I don't I really don't foresee me going anywhere else. Um, and I'm one that I love a challenge and this has definitely been a challenge and there's just so much more here for me. That's super great. That's really great to hear. Are you guys are you guys a quality award winner at all? Do you guys you ever heard about the quality awards to the American Healthcare Association? Yeah. Like the bronze or silver? No. Not you, that I'm aware of. The only reason well, in my book we are, but Yeah, the only reason that well it's a competition. You have to apply for it and whatever. But the only reason I ask is because the what you're defining is typical of people who are quality award winners. Like they they get it. They are on board. They know how their senior leaders lead. They listen, you know, they communicate and engage with their not only their their management team, but also their staff, their their customers. You know, they're in tune with all that, what it sounds like what you guys are, what you're defining. Mm-hmm. which you're defining, which is so rare. It's rare. I I agree. And that's why I, I just, I want to. Not wanna... going anywhere. Yeah, exactly. Yep. You've been there 10 years, you said? How long have you been there? Two years. Oh, I thought you had started in 2000. I started here in 2019. Oh, two years. Yeah. Oh, I thought you had been there for eight. I don't know why I thought well, that. That was the Cincinnati. Um, the Dominican sisters. Oh, yeah. yeah. So you can't go anywhere. You just got started. Exactly. You just and, got started. Um, the facility here is constantly looking at ways to better themselves and to, to grow and help the community constantly. Um, 
doing additions and um, just just growing with the community. You, you've got to be a quality award winner. Then somebody has to have at least looked at the quality award application because it's because that's that's right in there. Like what who you know how do you how do you serve your community? What who are your customers and and what do they want and what does your staff want? How do you know? Like all those questions and you're just sitting here rattling all the answers. So somebody definitely that's really great. It's a real good example of how to run a nursing home. I think nursing homes are very unique in that, you know, when I worked in a cleaning condos for ski resort, we never saw customers. And if we did, it was in passing, you know, like, can I get a couple of those hair nets? You know what I mean? Like, can they see it on the cart? Like that was the extent of it. Where in long-term care, you're with, you can literally be with people, the same customer, for eight, 10, 12, 14 years, you could be right, right alongside them. I mean, I don't, I don't, I can't even tell you how many people that I know who went from being a housekeeper in the nursing home to being a patient in that same nursing home, just worked there their entire adult life. And then when it was time for them to get long-term care, they're like, no, I definitely want to go there. And mm -hmm. all of a sudden, and they're, they're, they're our biggest critics. They are our biggest critics. They, you know, when I worked here, we was never acceptable. I'm like, when you worked here, no. Um, since I've started here, there's been, I've experienced that. Um, I got to meet a couple great people that worked here. That are that are the current patients or residents, I mean? Or was, yeah. yeah. Oh, that's yeah. fantastic. Yeah. That's super great. Yeah. Super, super great. It is. That's the, that's the type of, that's the type of, you know, uh, that's what makes the job so rewarding, you know, because we don't get to see the customer. A lot of times you think about those one and done transactions, you know, somebody comes into a sporting gourd store one time and, and, and even if they did come back, it's probably so infrequent that you never even get to know them. You know, I mean, I think maybe coffee shops, local diners, you know, where you having that repeat or dry cleaners, you know, you have that repeat customer so you can start developing a rapport with your customer. But those are, again, those are few, that's not, not the same as spending eight hours a day, five days a week with your customer. Right. Which is what long-term care is. Definitely making a difference. And so challenging all at the same time. Yeah. But that's what... I mean, to me, as a manager, that's what attracts me to. I like the challenge. Yeah, I, 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 I can see that. I like, I like, I like challenge too. But I also like results. I like consistency. I like mm -hmm. no headaches. I, I like my coffee without interruption. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't ever happen. <laughs> no. I have a question. Yeah, I have a question for you, please. When it comes to policies procedures yeah and your laundry department okay do you have a different policy procedure for when you're dealing with soiled linen versus soiled personal clothing or is it all fall under the same cap as soiled linen let me make sure i understand your question are you asking does is is there there's no biohazard soiled laundry first of all is that what you're asking i'm asking if you um have a procedure that is separate for handling personal clothing versus linen linen meaning towels yep, sheets, I know. Yep. or is well, it all separate so we wash it separately that's yeah, we would wash yeah. it separately too. I mean, like when when you're um, laying out your policies, procedures, manual. Yeah, yeah. Well, we collect it all at the same time. 
but we ask we the best thing that works for us is we have it separated by the nurses we want nurses to separate personal laundry from regular laundry mm -hmm. and we also want to be able to identify what floor or unit it comes from and so oftentimes we'll be able to have like reusable bags and so you know uh, east wing will have a yellow bag and north wing will always have a blue bag and so we'll keep it like that so we'll be able to keep the wings a lot of places we don't even have colored bags and so i just have my floor text right on and that's the other thing i have my porter my floor porter heavy housekeeper floor tech whatever you're going to call the person mm -hmm. whoever's picking it up we have them right on the bag what unit it comes from and we do that for two reasons first so that if there's any un labeled laundry personal laundry we know what unit it goes back to because the last thing we ever want is unlabeled laundry to stay in laundry no laundry should ever stay in laundry personal laundry should never stay in person in laundry ever 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 and i'm not a big fan of donations either i mean i understand donations i, I do i understand them and 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 we do have a small amount of them but yep i'm on the same page if too many people come down shop and I've had too many fist fights and, and, and I've had too many arguments where, you know, I mean, I just had it the other day where a resident saw another resident in his Jets jersey. That's my Jets jersey. I know it as well. And the CNA went down and got the Jets jersey because she didn't know and she just needed something from this other guy and it was his size. And so, you know, that shopping, I'm not a big fan of shopping, right? So that's, yep. that's a good thing for us. And the other reason that I have them right down on the bags and I have them right on the bags for all linen that comes down, not just personal laundry, but all linen is because of dirty diapers in laundry. That is a huge problem for us here. Is that a problem for you guys? Uh, it's sporadic. That's a yes. Typically, That's a yes. typically no, <laughs> but we, we have had the issue a couple times. Yeah, it is. It seems to be rampant here in some of the homes that I'm involved in. I mean, it is just blatant. They just throw the dirty diaper. And for those of you who don't work in long-term care and, you, you know, listening to the podcast, just imagine that you have a baby at home. And instead of taking the diaper off the baby and throw it in the garbage, imagine somebody just threw it in the hamper. And then you just took the hamper to the washing machine and started reaching in and pulling out. And then all of a sudden, your hand's full of BM, bowel movement, because and, and, and a diaper. And you're like, what the hell? That happens 80 times a day. Every oh, not day here. In the nursing homes I work in. A lot of the nurses, not all of them, but a lot of them. I mean, so, constant. So if it does happen here, it gets yeah. communicated to me right away. And I communicate it with the nurse manager. What does that mean? What does that mean? How does it get communicated with you? What the, laundry you? Staff, the laundry staff tells me because the laundry staff, they have certain areas, their wings, where they pick up. So they know when they come down and they're sorting it, they know where that came from. Okay. And okay. so then they report it to me. And whether it's the 5 o'clock a.m. pickup, um, you know. And so what do you do? pinpoint it. What do you do? Pardon me? I, I get it. So you get it. So what do you do with it? What do I do with it? Uh-huh. I So the laundry aid tells you. Huh? Hey, the laundry aide tells you, hey, our 10 o'clock pickup had a dirty diaper in it. I go what to the nurse manager. The nurse manager that oversees that area, uh -huh. I go to them and they take care of it. And oh, again, that you, is that's you, you, an example of how the management team works so good together here. 
if you things bring... are addressed, they're not left by the wayside to fester and things are addressed right away. And the expectations are laid out there and who who brings the who takes care of the diaper or the dirty it, it gets thrown away. So the laundry aid still takes care of it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's my challenge. So two things. One, most of my laundry aids simply wouldn't do it. They just simply won't do it. They're not touching it. You know, they're like, I'm not doing it. I'm not doing nursing work. I'm not going to, you know, it's just a big no-no. And so what we end up doing is bringing the bag of laundry back up to the unit. But then that's taking it, that's transporting BM through the building, back through the building to the floor. No, it's in a bag. Oh. It's still in a sealed bag. You know, they'll open the bag. They'll they'll start sorting because we sort. They'll see it. They'll close the bag back up and they'll put it aside. And the manager comes like, what's that? It came from the fifth floor. All right, bring it up to the fifth floor. There's a dirty diaper in here. And, you know, everybody at the nurse's station, not me, not me, not me, not me. So, but somebody, somebody has to take So really, what good does that do? Say it again? So really, what good does that do? Because nobody's nobody, you know, owns up yeah. to it. Well, nobody owns up to it. That's true. Uh, certainly nobody owns up to it when I'm standing there or when my manager's standing there, whether they do or not afterward. But it always comes back down without the dirty attend. So, you know, and, and, and I know that this is not a blanket statement because I've been in nursing homes and senior care facilities that, I mean, they would ne- what I'm saying they've never even heard of. They've never even heard of a dirty diaper going into laundry. And then I work in some facilities where it is the it is literally the common practice, right? So, I mean, I've seen complete both ends. I work in places where there are dirty diapers everywhere, in the sink, on the floor, in the dining room, on the windowsill, left in rooms on beds, under beds, in, in I mean, everywhere, everywhere. That's an yeah. issue. <laughs> well, and, and so imagine being a housekeeper there. Imagine being in laundry there. It doesn't take you long to go, no, no, no. Let me say there. I get paid the least. The CNAs, who are the ones who presumably are the ones who put all this stuff here, they get paid more than me, and I have to do their work. I mean, it, it's such. I'll tell you, it is. It is one of our biggest struggles in a lot of my homes that I work I with. See why? One of the biggest struggles. And I had a meeting with three administrators. So there's these three administrators. They run these three different homes. I was working with, and they. I was really pushing back hard against housekeeping, having to take care of dirty diapers, having to pick up gloves all the time. Like you, it's amazing how I don't even, I can't even fathom. I just, maybe it's because I've been so close to it. You know, I can't, I go into a men's room and see that somebody urinated on the toilet seat, which seems to be very common. I, it it just, I can't, I don't understand who just urinates all over a toilet seat. Like what? What kind of a person does that? But people do. I don't understand it. I don't get it. But I also feel like, again, I have a hero complex and I like to be the savior of housekeepers everywhere. And so I go to bat for them. I always go to bat for them. By the way, I lost a humongous contract because I was going to bat for my housekeepers once. They're like, you know what? If you're going to keep you know, taking the side of the housekeepers, you could just go. I'm like, all right, I guess I'm going to go because I'm not going to back down. You know, you can't treat housekeepers like they're subpar human beings. It's not right. I'm not going to stand for it. And, of course, now I'm not there and they're still treating them like subpar human beings. So I guess the egg's on my face, not theirs. But so I had an administrator tell me 
So uh, again, I was pushing back against all this kind of stuff. And the administrator said, listen, when I hire nurses aides, I tell them when I hire them that one of the perks working here is they don't have to pick up after themselves. I was like, what do you mean? Mm-mm. It's like I tell them if they if they drop something, they can just leave it. That's why we have housekeeping. Like that's not why you have housekeepers are not maids. That that's not why housekeeping's here. In 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 healthcare, we're here to clean and disinfect with the with the emphasis being on disinfecting and deep cleaning so that we're turning things over and making things look good for the long term. Picking up gloves after after young people. I mean, you know, these CNAs 18, 19, 20 years old, and they're just throwing stuff on the floor because the administrator said it's fine. I mean, could you imagine? No, no, I can't. I can't. I this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> it, you're just um, kind of confirming how lucky I am to work you here. Really have a great gig. Don't leave. Don't get fired. <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's one of the things that, you know, everyone just works really good together here, teamwork. And it's, again, it's, it's the expectation and it's laid out in the get go. And if it's not met, you're not, you know, it's, it's all about building the culture here as well. And if the culture isn't a fit with the employee, then. No, I appreciate that so much. I really do. And and I'm so happy that we were able to sit down and talk for a little bit today and, and get this out because I think it's so important for me to keep in mind that there are some really great situations out there in long-term care and housekeeping because I I just see so many where it's really, really a bear. It's a real bear. You know what I wonder, and I know we're going to get out of here because we're running long, but I wonder how, and I'm sure it's a lot, I wonder how much it helps you in your role being that you're also an EMT because you also have the other side of the bed kind of point of view. You know what I mean? Like you're already, you kind of have the medical side point of view. So when you come into a situation, you're seeing it from both sides, both from a management or all three sides, from a measure point, from a housekeeping, clean, dirty, infection control point, and also from a medical point. So you can kind of navigate that space, which can be challenging to some people. Some of us, it's challenging to see the admin side, the nursing side, and the housekeeping side. Sometimes we just see the housekeeping side. Yeah. I think that has been very beneficial for me. Um, I always try and put myself, or I've even said to the staff, okay, so let's try and look at it from the nursing point aspect of it. You know, we've got to get their side of it. Um, You know, do some fact finding first and see what the real reason behind it is, and then go from there. Solving a problem in the short term, anybody can do. Solving Mm -hmm. it in the long term, take some strategy, take some Mm -hmm. openness. Take some communication, thoughtfulness. And if you if you solve it in the long term, that that's going to benefit in the long run and and both sides of it, not just one side of it. Everybody wins. Yep. Yeah, I like that so much. Thank you everyone for joining us today at the Housekeepers Podcast. I hope you enjoyed today's show. I certainly did. It was super fun getting to know Tammy, and I'm sure there are a lot of takeaways for everybody. What was that podcast that you listened to? Oh, the leadership podcast. Yeah, what is her name again? Brene Brown. Brene Brown. I want to write that down. Brene. B-R-E-N-E. Brown. So big shout out to Brene Brown because anybody who is spouting off leadership traits and is getting people engaged and listening and helping us all get better at leadership, 
I want to celebrate. I think that's really fantastic. So mm-hmm. make sure you check out Brone Brown's podcast too. I'm certainly going to do that. That's really awesome. And if you would, I have this I have a big, big announcement I'm going to make right this second. And that is, in addition to the Housekeeping Leadership Academy, which I've been talking about incessantly, which is all about housekeeping managers who want a group to get together where we talk and air out our grievances. No, we really tell a big community, big problem solving community for housekeeping managers. I'm also starting a cleaning business mastermind group that is going to be super fun for business owners, cleaning people who have their own clean or side hustle, which I don't know how Tammy doesn't have one, a side hustle cleaning business. If you want to get together with like-minded people who also have cleaning businesses to really work out marketing issues and strategy issues and how to get customers and keep customers and all of that consider joining the cleaning business mastermind it's going to be really fantastic go to cleaningbusinessmastermind.com otherwise thank you so much tammy for being on see you all later